0: Where the Whiteboards Are, a podcast by educators about all things education. Okay folks, so today I brought in a super special guest. She is near and dear to my heart. She was my very first student teacher um, who has now continued her education. She hasn't left, hope she never does. Um, so I'm gonna have her introduce herself, maybe tell you a little bit about like how many years she's taught and that kind of stuff. So
1: take it away. Uh, so my name's Desiree and I have been teaching for five years now going into my sixth year at a small rural Southwest Missouri school district. District, and I teach uh, English, tenth and eleventh grade, and yeah, I'm happy to be on here. Yeah. So with that kind of interesting ride,
0: um, Desiree will probably not tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this, listeners. <laughs> she actually won an award for being the the best student teacher. Um, not from just me,
2: but. Um, <laughs> 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 me and just to certificate. It was over your a last gold day. Day. <laughs> It was yeah. Yeah. a sticker. Yeah, it's like a world's best boss.
0: Um, but she actually won this award um, and was presented this award for being the best student teacher. Um, and I just wanted her to kind of, you know, talk about what it was like from student teaching to that that first year. Um, what was different about it? What did you like? What did you hate? That kind of thing. All right. That's a lot. I'm oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> we can just break it down to like, <laughs> I don't know, favorite thing from student teaching or favorite di- or best difference in student teaching to actually having your own classroom. Mm. Maybe we'll start there. Probably the best.
2: I don't, I don't know. No. <laughs> it was all awful? Is that what you're trying to no. say? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Amanda was terrible. Not that's right. Trans- she suffered no. every day. True. No,
1: I, I would say like the most difficult part is that transition of not, of almost having to rely on yourself a little bit more because there's not that person in the room that's willing to give you that feedback and uh, give you those different ideas or like, hey, I saw this and I thought that you did really well with that. Um, or, hey, this is where you could improve and things like that. So that was really difficult to kind of deal with, um, especially like your first year teaching where you feel a lot of the times like a fish out of water and like you're like floundering to try to make something out of this entire situation. Um, So that's like one of the more difficult things. I guess one of the better aspects of it um, is just having maybe a little bit more of that autonomy and and being able to not
2: have to like submit
1: (laughs) weekly lesson plans. Um,
2: You soon taught in the spring. Right? No, I student taught in the fall. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Okay. Disregard. I was gonna ask a question based off that, and now I cannot. Sorry, Justice. Which I found that to be very helpful too,
1: like mm-hmm. that idea of how you set up your classroom, or like be able to see kind of like how do you establish classroom norms and things like mm-hmm. that. Whereas if I had student taught in the spring, I wouldn't
2: have seen that. Well, and that's kind of what I was gonna ask about, like how you felt starting. But oh, you were there yeah. the whole time, so it's perfect. Just Yeah. Kidding.
1: So at least that when I was going in, I was like, oh, I at least have a couple of things I can think about and like use or try to steal or borrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of helpful.
0: Um, so what would you say um, with with regard to your shift from being a student teacher to a teacher um, was the biggest difference aside from this like struggle? So like what was it specifically that you felt like you struggled with whenever? Classroom
1: you... management.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so why do you feel like you struggle with that? Like what about classroom management was the...
1: Because I don't well, I think with classroom management You really can't teach it to someone like you just have to deal with it like you have to experience it and and figure out what works for you as a teacher and your presence in the classroom. And just like I felt like when I student taught, you know, yeah, the kids were good, but also you were in the room with them. So I think they were kind of like, oh, like if I mess up, she's gonna call my mom. (laughs) or whatever. Uh, And then like being a brand new teacher, fresh out of college, I was twenty two. I was literally four years older than some of the students I taught mm-hmm. is like having that authority and being like I'm the boss in the room and I'm not going to go home and cry every single day <laughs> <night." laughs>
3: oh. Have you ever had that experience where you had been in, in a similar role of like I am the person who holds the authority in a situation
1: kind of like I worked for the YMCA okay. um, and right before I taught I was like a director okay. um, and so I worked for like before and after school child care so for about six months I was the person who was right. like but it was very much an admin role okay. as opposed to like full on teaching role yeah, yeah. and that was a little different too because I wasn't necessarily dealing with the children I was dealing with their parents and uh, being like yeah. Bobby can't show up today because he punched another kid in the face you know like yeah. so.
3: Yeah classroom management is one of those things like you can read theory all day uh-huh. but until you're in it to like learn those skills in a dynamic environment like yeah it's so different.
2: Well and I think it's one of (laughs) Those things that, even if you have so much experience, kids are going to continually find new ways to challenge your classroom management. Like, there is always a situation every year where I'm like, I thought I'd basically covered the bases, but now we're doing this today. So that's really nice. Well, I'm sorry. I
1: feel like your first year too, they're always telling you, like, oh, don't smile until December (laughs) and like be this very big, like, authoritative person. And that's just like naturally not me as Mm -hmm. a person, but I felt like that was the role I had to play. just based off of like all of the, I don't know, like what you just hear from other teachers or things like that. Um, and so I felt like I was playing that role and it wasn't my authentic self yeah. and it really showed through. And I felt like kids knew that and they're like, oh. she doesn't
4: know what she's doing. Yeah, 100%. Kids, are, kids are the first to know, like they are, yeah. even they're, even if they're not cognizant of it, they absolutely, they will see right through any sort of BS you try to put up, oh, yeah. you know?
3: Well, and it's so interesting, like the student teaching experience, you could absolutely be in a situation where there are no behaviors just by the teacher who's in charge for mm-hmm. lots of different reasons and then you never get to practice that skill, you know. on But on the flip side, you could be in a terrible student teaching experience where that's all you deal with. So it, that's really tough as a first-year teacher. Like, you're expecting me to have these skills that I've never really had a chance to practice. You can't practice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, SPID was a little bit different because built into that are behavior issues and okay. Okay. emotional disturbance blah 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 blah. so like that early on like first practical everything's like oh here's some behaviors like but I was old enough like I and I definitely need to know how to deal with
0: this (laughs) like
3: I am not the straight face like I'm not the teacher to not smile Mm -hmm. so and I feel like I just feel awful being a disciplinarian anyways like man why are you making me do this like I do not want to be this person but you're forcing me here like uh, I'm gonna yeah like let's just chill out for a little bit. yeah. am yeah.
4: literally here to have a good time talking about the things I love to talk yeah. about. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you're now making me talk about how much you suck. So. And I <laughs> feel like <it's- laughs>
2: I feel like it's almost harder. Obviously, my experience yeah. is jaded based off its limitations. Um, but I feel like in some ways it's harder for high school because, like, you're 17. Could you just be cool? Like, it's not. You should, at this point in time, know how to be a person. You should know how to exist in a classroom functionally. To some degree. And, like, why are you tackling somebody? Like, why is that like, right? I don't
3: know. Like, as a 17-year-old, I was super cool. So. <laughs> no, I see no evidence of All that. this testosterone. I mean,
2: nothing yeah.
0: to do with <laughs> it. I just don't understand yeah. why they always need to touch each other. Just like the arm punches or the yeah. whatever, just all that touching. Know. Like
3: positive, a- like do some people never have positive touch in their life? And just open a can of worms, man. I yeah. Think, but
4: also. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. No, Mix, not in a bad I mean, way. But no, but
0: you're, yeah. you're right. So then at school, they maybe seek that from their peers.
4: Yeah. And they, and they don't know how to get that positive effort. Sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They just don't know. Well, and the, like tying this back to early teaching, there's so much there's all these social nuances that when you're first being a teacher, you don't know what to let slide, what not to let slide, like what do I call attention to Yeah, to to try and eliminate the behavior without escalating behavior and like there's, just, it's a very tough thing to do for somebody who's never, never had to do it before.
1: Yeah, I felt like all my first year teaching, I was just escalating the behaviors yeah. and like looking back now, I would like cringe at what I would do, but I just I had no idea. Right. And I was like, I have to assert power over them. And in reality, I just looked like a fool. <laughs>
3: well, and I guess it kind of breaks my heart hearing you say this, because here's somebody who's, you know, received an accolade for being excellent at student teaching. I assume you were great in college, high GPA, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You want to yeah. do a good job, but somewhere along the way, the entire system has failed you. Like, to me, yeah. it goes back to proper assessment and evaluation, like what we used to assess students like why can't we do the same thing with adults and teachers of like just because you're a teacher for the very first time you are n- you're not masterful there's a lot you don't know and any teacher would recognize that and an administrator you would think would be like all right let me let me give you some tips so, so it looks like you're struggling in this area all right here here's what we can do let, let me bring in a, a senior teacher instructional like uh, I don't know I think there's uh, it just breaks my heart that you're you had to have that experience yeah
1: I mean later on my district did- Incorporate kind of like an instructional coach. At the time, we didn't have an instructional coach, um, but they did end up bringing in some people from like the local university, and that was that was actually really beneficial because it wasn't your admin just standing in the right. corner watching you, um, but it was someone who didn't really have a stake in the game and was just literally there to, to give you tips or like tell you what you were doing well or what you weren't doing well or you know what could be fixed. And that I think was the most beneficial official thing I got from all of that and just like that idea of like building relationships with students like very quickly because I had never really thought about that like I don't I don't know like I didn't try and think of how to word it like I I didn't realize how intentional you had to be in building relationships with kids Um, and like that that process and like if you start too late you know like you're gonna struggle the rest of the year.
2: Well and something that kind of baffles me now just like hearing about your experience and then what we talked about earlier today, there's legitimately nothing that we do before the start of the school year other than maybe an orientation day to differentiate beginning your school year from a first-year teacher to a 30-year teacher. Like, you all come in basically, at least in my experience, there might be districts who are doing something different, um, but you might have a new teacher orientation day and otherwise you all start just the exact same way, which I think is silly. Like, why yeah. Why are we doing it like that? Probably could be better.
0: Right, but you also don't want to eat other summer unless they get contractually Obligated, right? So, like, your first year teacher, maybe in your contract, you start in July as opposed to August or what have you, Um, and they compensate you for that time that you may be spending a it new maybe teacher you get
3: a check in August,
0: right? And then you get <laughs> <could give> a, <laughs> a paycheck in August, yeah, because yeah. uh-huh. uh, the struggle to get paid in September is whew, is real. Um, so I wonder if there could be like new teacher boot camp years, you know?
1: Right. I feel like that would have eased the anxiety, especially like my first year going in. I think that was a part Part of it, too, was I was just very anxious in general. Um, But if I were to have like we have a new teacher academy that's like a week before everyone else shows up. But if they had moved it maybe to July, I felt like maybe that would be more helpful because then like you you get told so much information in that first academy or in those first couple of days. And it's super overwhelming as a first year teacher. So if they were able to space it out
4: a little bit, I feel like it would help a ton.
3: Yeah. Give you time to die. Digest it all yeah. and actually yeah. process
4: it. Think about how you're going to implement. Yeah. You know, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. well, I love the idea that somebody outside came in to give mm-hmm. you tips. I'm have had this idea about outside evaluators like doing that exact thing. Cause when you have somebody that is determining, if you get rehired, I say determining, obviously it's a school board that does that, but let's be honest. Yeah, but know. is it
2: really? <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. Uh. Like to have somebody that has no stake in the game, mm-hmm. you know, to give you feedback, it's, it's, it's going to be more authentic, you know. Versus uh, a principal is superior. Who uh, there's just an anxiety there, like you said. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So in your classroom management journey, sounding like first year, some struggles pleasant, er, are present. Or um, present. What do you feel like helped make it better? Like, where does where does your experiential experiential mm-hmm. shift happen?
1: Um. Probably. Well, especially that person coming in and evaluating uh, me, or like from that outside source. But also just like really focusing on the positive that student bring to. Your your classroom um, because like I said I was so focused on that idea of like I have to be the authoritative person in the room and catch them on all their bad things and get on to them about it and in reality like you if you focus more on the positive like you're gonna win them over a little bit more um, and then also like you just have a better classroom culture at that at that time was really I think the, the turning point was like obviously I wasn't ignoring all the other behaviors <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I would focus on, you know, like, hey, this kid is is doing this to like praise them on that or like thank them for that, write them notes, like to focus on the positive made me happier as a teacher mm-hmm. um, and not focusing on maybe the one or two kids who like never turned in anything or, or whatever else.
0: Mm-hmm. So you are about to embark on year six, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. in teaching, the kind of cutoff or the big turning point is by year five, half of the people that join education lead. Yeah. Um, so what do you think has made you stay for a year sick the next round kind of beat that hump?
1: So I think really at least I'm trying to think what kept me early on was the positive experience I had in student teaching and knowing that I could make it back to that effective teacher or at least felt like it um, because those first couple of years I was very down on myself at least the first two years of very much like why did I go into this? You know, what if I'm not, you know, what if teaching's not really what was for me? Um, but I would keep thinking back to like my student teaching experience. I was like, I know I can be an effective teacher. Like, I know I can do this. Um, and so those first two years, that was kind of the driving force. But now it's really the student um, and building those like relationships with those students that have kept me in education um, and has made it to where I don't dread going to work. Like, I'm very excited to like go and, and, and hang out with them and talk to them and uh, like you know teach them uh, you know whether they like English or not it doesn't matter like having those strong bonds with students I think is what has kept me continuing
4: in education It's I'm sorry just you can cut this out because there was enough of a pause there yeah, but like yeah. uh, this it's uh it doesn't sound too like it's it feels like a really low bar whenever you say like yeah I don't dread going to work now it's like <laughs> oh, great, <laughs> like come on you know and, and, and not to say or detract from from anything that you're saying like by all means you know that's your experience with it Um it just I don't know it, it sounds like like doom and gloom and I, I just I don't have a complete thought around it there it just it just felt like a really low bar you know like me. that
2: you don't hate it is your yeah, bar yeah yeah <laughs> But like, isn't that all we can at most hope to strive for in our working conditions?
0: I mean, uh, at some point, we, kind of. I mean, yeah. What are, you know, you have choices. You can either work for money or work for the joy of it. And mm-hmm. maybe you don't ever get to do both, you know, like. Yeah. So maybe it's a bit of that, too.
4: Yeah. Just the joy of it doesn't, you know, be, exactly. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't put food right. in the refrigerator. Hence why
2: <laughs> if it makes you money and you don't hate it, it's probably semi-workable. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I don't really know.
3: <laughs> and cut. So that is <laughs> (laughs) So is there anything that you wish you knew before going into like year one or two or three? Uh... (laughs) Or
4: six. Or six. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think the most important thing I gained from everything is being authentic in the classroom. Yeah. And like being your authentic self in the classroom is really like what I wish someone sat down and said like, hey, like you don't have to pretend to be like this or, or like this. Like just be who you are and you, it will be fine. Like yeah. I guess that's kind of the main thing that I would take away from it.
3: What is that? What does that look like for you? what is, What is your authentic self?
1: Um, um, I... I'm pretty laid back as a yeah. teacher. Um, and so um, I don't know, like I I am 100 percent cool with having side conversations with students about things they're actually interested in in relation um, or just like joking with them and yeah. things like that. And not being so like rigid about yeah. stuff, I guess, is like my authentic self. I don't you know, I think it's hard to explain. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, uh, this is who yeah. I am at my human core. <laughs> Yes. 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 It's, like, my it's the
4: person-centered approach Yeah It's like really what that is Like not to get all Was you, that young Whoever that is I don't know yeah. I didn't no, teach Carl psychology Rodger, It's Carl Rogers Ah yes. Person-centered approach Humanistic psychology Whatever But that's, <laughs> that's really like What it sounds like The core of what you're talking about Is my bad on that but, uh, <laughs> I'm a fidgety person We all know that Right um, But uh, yeah that's, that's what that sounds like You know Like still recognizing That they have their own interests And you can connect on that level And then you can yeah. be like So anyways English Yeah
3: you know. Yeah but, It's just always Fascinated me. I think even the people here, we all have different approaches to, to education and learning, but this idea of authentic self so resonates with me. Like the, the teachers who are the super like authoritarian, and it's like, it's my way or the highway, or like, absolutely, I never taught you that wrong, or like, you know, like all those things. To me, like when I was able to be vulnerable and like admit mistakes and just let them know I was a human, right? Mm-hmm. And the expectations for them were based around just being a human
1: mm-hmm. yeah, you know
3: not some uh, Auto- nebulous idea automaton right, right like it just I was I was so much more effective and it, it takes time to like build up the confidence to do that but the teachers that couldn't be that person I, I'm like man do you have any relationships with students like do you do you hate your job do you
2: even like They're- them yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, actually
3: psychological implications behind yeah, it. yeah. it's just it, it's fascinating to me I guess I don't know
2: well and you use that phrase my way or the highway which is mm. like you know a common one and like I'm the kind of person that like okay so I'll take the highway like
1: bye <laughs> <I can't laughs> like,
2: that, that doesn't bother me yeah. um, and that's I think part of the problem right like my way or the highway doesn't get a kid to show up to school doesn't get them yeah. to participate yeah. in your English class it does not get them to turn in homework to like care. that's not yeah just care yeah at all. especially mm-hmm. for a kid who's struggling that does nothing for them yeah I
1: think early in my teaching career I heard someone talk about how teaching is like acting and I disagreed with them on that because I don't feel like you should feel like you're acting or like playing some different role in front of your kids like you should just be and maybe that sounds so cheesy like just be yourself and everything will be fine (laughs) but in reality I feel like kids do really realize that and and appreciate that authentic like authentic self and like being your your own person and like being willing to talk to them about you as a person like I think that that at least for some kids, like they connect with that a little bit quicker than just thinking that we're like some high up pedestal like person who's yeah. just Ivory here to, towers, to, <laughs> right? yeah, we're to tell bean. them about everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, and something that I know that you do that I'd like for you to talk a little bit about is your <laughs> extensive library in your classroom that you have purchased um, books for that are young adult. Um, yeah. I think it goes back to this idea of your authentic self and you fostering those relationships with your students. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the, the books you pick or the things that you do to sort of foster that uh,
1: relationship, either with
0: literature or with
1: you for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I have a classroom library um, and it's in like the back corner of my room. And I have really pushed my students to find a book that they're actually interested in reading. Um, and so I buy, well, sometimes I'll buy books like from Barnes and Noble or I'll go to thrift stores or like the Friends of the Library sale and things like that. Um, But I always try to keep in mind like what my students would gravitate towards and what they would be interested in. Um, And so that's kind of the main, main gist of it. Um, From there, like I do book talks every single day of different books that I've read and I'll tell them about it and I'll tell them like, hey, like if you like this type of show or if you like this book, like you might end up liking this as well. Um, I'm kind of forgetting the other part of your question now, so I'm just talking. <laughs> no, <we're laughs> okay, so. Wait, can
2: I derail the question? Uh, of can we put a pin in that? I am so fascinated <laughs> about book talks because it is one of my weakness areas. Um, Like, I conceptually know that they're good. Amanda, several times, have been like, Desiree doesn't mean book talk. And I'm like, but what does it look like? So can you explain to me your book talk process? So my
1: book talk consists of getting the book.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener, she gave us her Vanna White Book presentation hands, yes. <laughs> and then we all All made them. All (laughs) made (laughs) them.
1: Um, so I have the physical book or if I don't have it I'll run up to our school library and grab it Um, and then I take two three minutes and I just talk to them about the book like I I don't know that seems so basic but um, sometimes I'll show them a book book trailer from like YouTube and then (laughs) talk about it from there Um, but I just give them a rundown of the summary and then I ask them like hey do you have any questions and some classes will get really into it and ask me a bunch of questions and some classes will be like I'm I'm just sitting here and let's move on mm-hmm. and then i just leave it up on my like board basically um and i tell them like if this book interests you at all like you can check it out check it out for the 10 minutes we read if you're interested we'll check it out to you and good to go um so that's like the basic basics of it it's all basically pulled from penny Kittle mm-hmm. and i love um, her yeah uh, she's phenomenal yeah um, so i use that and i really don't i don't i don't want to say like i don't put a lot of effort into it mm-hmm. but I just try to be selective of what, what I pick for them like if I have a, like a boy heavy class where I know I have a lot of athletes I'm gonna pull books more about like maybe sports or the sports they're interested in or, or whatever they're interested right. in like I know I had a class where I had a lot of kids who were interested in World War Two. II so like I talk mouse at one point was like hey oh, this is a graphic wow. novel like looky here um, and that got <laughs> pictures <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I guess I just kind of think about what my students are interested in. I also watch a lot of uh, BookTube, mm-hmm. YouTube. Uh, and so that gives me a good idea of like new YA books that are coming out. And even if I haven't read it, I watch so many BookTube stuff that I have a pretty good idea of what the story will be about. I can talk about it through that. And you said you do this every day? Yeah, every and single day.
2: So do you feel like they just know to come in and expect yes. like a couple minutes about about the book and then we get into whatever. Yeah, the I actually
1: is. have had times where like maybe I was just busy or something and I don't have a book to talk about and my kids will get they'll be like, Where's the book talk?
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's, great. Like, that's great.
1: What about we just pull a random book off your shelf and you can talk about that? <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Like, (laughs) Like, we come for the content. Please deliver. We're here here for this. Uh, Or I'll be like, does anyone else want to do a book talk? And sometimes I'll have a brave soul that will. I think
4: that's really just evidence that uh, they thrive with structure. Even if they think they hate it, even if they're like, school's a prison. (laughs) What do I even need to know this for? It's like, no, you you thrive in structure. You can fight it all you want. But like, I don't know. That's just a piece of evidence to that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think uh, for some reason in my head, I make it seem very scary but I think also in my head it's like 20 minutes long and we read the first (laughs) chapter and like it's a whole thing so I love this like casual easy it's almost like a bell ringer but sometimes bell ringers are annoying like that's (laughs) this is nicer yeah I've done like my first couple years
1: I did it or like the first year I did it I would pick little passages to read Mm -hmm. but I found that really if you just give a summary like they'll they're pretty easy to figure out like is this a book for me like I'll tell them the genre I wow. also usually pop up like a little slideshow and I'll show like what are other books that this author has oh, written. very nice. Mm-hmm. So even if the kids don't remember the book that they read or like the author of the book, if they know they like the book and they're like, oh, it's up there by the same author, yeah. that sometimes will help them, too.
2: Gotcha. Thank you for letting me commenteer. Oh,
0: of course. <laughs> uh, no,
1: this, I mean, this is my
0: podcast. So, uh, you know, you uh, are all just, Amanda's yes. world. We're all uh, just, just living Amanda. That's right. Amanda That's right. Wait,
2: wait. demand Demanda. <laughs> Demanda. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That Thank you, fabulous. Mom and Dad. <laughs> I can't take credit. It's from Amanda's youth, actually. <laughs> my parents used to call
0: me Demanda. Mm. Wow. And I love it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. I she never old. should have told
0: me. <laughs> I, was, oh, wow. I was not a good child growing up.
3: <laughs> or, <laughs> like, let's, let's be fair, or adult. Oh, wow. no. oh, yeah. Oh. I, I will be
0: leaving now. This is my last episode. It's been real.
3: It's been real. Demanda out.
0: <laughs> So, Desiree, with these book talks, do you feel like it has fostered more readers in your classroom? Have have it has it increased, you know, kids grabbing books? Yes. <laughs> Short answer. Yes. Plain answer. Perfect. That's all I needed to know. I uh-uh. think
1: though it does help them, especially your kids who just don't know what they want to read or they really just don't have an understanding of what genre they're interested in. Um, this is just a nice way to, to bring bring up different ideas for them though.
2: So. What was the other part of your question that I interrupted? Oh, I, <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry. I don't. Come um, back. But I, well, I also know I just know a lot about Desiree, guys. Um, listen, I'll give you the the four one one. I also know you're doing your masters, yes. um, and so I wanted to kind of talk maybe a little bit about um, your your thesis, which is geared around books. Again, we're talking kind of English centered on this episode a little bit um, as we shifted Not gears. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. No, I'm not sorry at
4: all. It's three to two. Like yeah. I. <laughs>
0: You can do
4: the math.
2: Good job. No, that's, that's Jacob. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Jacob okay, that's math. right. Eric yeah. just waves his hands around oh, and he he arms. Arms. You can also be a band teacher. Okay. Look <laughs> yeah. at Just
4: tell him to do better. <laughs> All
0: <laughs> right. So um, I wanted you to talk about this interesting thesis that you have um, as she squinted her eyes at me. And it means I have just to think, think <laughs> about it. And I've well, been taking a girl, break from thinking about so it so
1: profoundly. <laughs> um,
0: but I do think it's important work and I do think it's something worth talking about, especially in this vein of literacy and um, building communities through literacy. And so I would just like you to kind of maybe tell us what it is, like maybe why you came to that as your thesis or something that you wanted to explore further. That'd be really cool.
1: Okay. Uh, so my master's deg- or my degree paper is about book clubs in the classroom and uh, basically how book clubs can or do they foster community um, within the classroom, whether it's just in those small groups or or overarching in the entire class. Um, and so with that in mind, I basically asked my students to record uh, all of their book club discussions throughout the unit. And I have had to listen to all of them and uh, like basically note how they are interacting with one another um, mm-hmm. and kind of focusing it around a socio-cultural theory um, and communities of practice and whether they are actually displaying those things or not. And so really, I'm right at the point of looking into my findings and like trying to kind of piece it together, which is I feel like the hardest part. And Uh I'm like dreading a little bit just because there's a lot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's so interesting, though. I love this idea of community comparison, like the sociological aspect of reading. That's really awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that I kind of came to this just because um, at least in the English classroom, um, I feel like there is just a heavy focus on that whole novel study Mm -hmm. of like, we're going to sit down as a class and we're going to read this entire um, novel together as a class, do all this, you know, six week unit on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that obviously that is beneficial in the classroom. um, But I think that I just am curious as to how it's different when we maybe pull the teacher away from from it a little bit or distance us um, and give the students the opportunity to be able to speak in a small group of four or five people um, and be able to kind of guide their own discussions over
2: the book that they're reading. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the other main focus. I love that. When you yeah. extrapolate your findings, will you come tell us? Yes. Will you come back and be like, yeah. I <laughs> completed the study and
1: this is what I've learned? Yeah, yes, hopefully uh, in spring, end of spring, I'll be done. Excellent.
4: <laughs> it sounds like it fosters like an ownership yes. of the learning as yes. well, you know, like t- taking that upon themselves. Yeah, uh, I mean,
1: they have to be able to, they've ha- they have to decide as a group like how many pages they're going to read each week um, I give them kind of like a discussion sheet that they can use mm-hmm. but I tell them I'm like I want you to talk about the book for about 15-20 minutes I want you to hit on maybe like this concept that we've been talking about all, all week but from there like it's your book club you talk about like you've got to prove to me you read the book and discuss it huh. so that, that's kind of like the really quick condensed uh, version of there's it there's a
3: lot of really yeah. good stuff in there because they're going to practice social skills and very pragmatic learning of like you know what did you get it? You know, I wanted to. You know, I, I'm not doing a good job. Jacob
0: doesn't know how uh, to read. About it. it.
3: okay. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to fake it this whole time.
0: <laughs> he says number. Cool letters, yeah. no thanks.
3: <laughs> no, that, that's that's super interesting. And thank you, that whole community approach like, man, maybe we should be investing money in that. We should for education, right?
1: <laughs> oh,
3: just that stand and deliver model mm-hmm. that we were probably exposed to. Just need to, we well, we know that's not the most effective way, right? Right. Yeah, um, what's most effective
4: just, if you're trying to hit a large group of people all at once? Yes, but a class uh, of in, 40 or yeah, you know, yeah, but the whole idea of that individualized, you know, we said it before, person-centered, you know, we all have our own truths.
2: Well, and something that might get kind of lost if you're not um, specifically in the English content area is that. Technically, what Desiree is doing is very controversial because there are very staunch camps in, you know, Club English, wherein um, student choice is good. We love student choice. We want more engagement and individualism in novels. And then there's a very traditional camp that's like, that's not the way to get to deep study. Um, And the teacher really needs to be directing study. We can get more from doing this all together. Classics are best versus contemporary. Um, And it is very divided. There's so many books.
3: I know. There are so many books. books. And
2: many of them are good.
3: Uh. Like how many books? (laughs) There's at least like 12. (laughs) I was going to say, having never read one.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's interesting that you are taking this approach with, like you said, person-centered learning because it's also how you do your management style. Like, so classroom management is also this way. And so I wonder if these book clubs also help foster, you know, less managerial problems in your classroom because they have these groups that they are now, right. you know, they're a community together.
4: They have something yeah. to invest in.
0: Right. They have that investment. So now they're like, hey, if I'm a jerk, I can't participate in book club or I can't, you know, I can't yeah. get, get to these points that I want to get to.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. My professor that I've been working with kind of brought that up because she asked me, like, when do you do book clubs? And I told her I do them very early in the in the year. Um, last year, around like October, the beginning of October, this year it's going to be even earlier because I pushed that we do that unit first basically Mm -hmm. Um, and she yeah she had the same thing of like I'm curious as to like how that affects your community of your entire class and like does that provide more buy-in for students um, or not or how does it kind of affect it which is also interesting but I've got so much data
2: that uh, That is a different (laughs) paper yes
1: if I ever go and get a
3: doctorate (laughs) there we go well draw on what we've talked about earlier about social risk like a situation like that where it's a small group mm-hmm. like there's less social risk there or like if it's a whole class digesting an entire novel like that can be really risky like I'm so maybe I, maybe I'm not gonna speak because I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to be wrong don't ask me what I think when you know yeah. everybody could not agree or I don't know there's a lot of good stuff there
2: it's also academically easier to skate in a whole group setting right right. Yeah. Yes. if there are 30 of you all you really need is three kids to have read the book and you can run class for so long.
4: Yeah, copy paste band. What? 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 Like so many <laughs> more words. Please. So so many students are able to just like skate, like uh, like essentially like fake playing. Oh, you know okay. I mean? because yeah. you have the strong players oh, who they can then hide underneath, and that's one of the things that I yeah. end up battling most. But uh-huh. it's just a common you know, thread throughout uh-huh. education.
3: Right. Because in a whole group, you kind of become accountable to, to just the teacher, right? Yes. Yeah. But in that small group, you kind of have to answer to to your peers. I'm sure students like are still not going to read at some point or? Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's not perfect.
3: (laughs) Right. 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 But yeah, I I can see lots of benefits.
2: Well, in my own experience being in college English classes, there were definitely days where I was like, I don't need to prep for this discussion because student A over here, she's going to take it. Like, I don't need to, I
3: don't need to worry about
2: this. I won't be talking. It'll be fine. (laughs) So, I like that model.
3: Sometimes teachers are the worst students.
2: I am the worst (laughs) student. It is me. I'm very open (laughs) about it at PD sessions. Everybody
0: knows. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'd like to thank Desiree so much for coming on. She has definitely grown as a teacher, and I'm so thrilled to have been on that journey with her. I hope she continues to do education. If you are somebody that would like to reach out about your student teaching experiences, we would love to hear from you at Where the Whiteboards Are. Thanks for listening to Where the Whiteboards Are.
4: If you have any comments, questions, uh, topic suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address. It is WTWA at 277media.com, where the whiteboards are, WTWA at 277media.com.
3: The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employees, school districts, or communities in which they work.